Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Talk Memphis. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning and welcome to Talk Money on this beautiful, absolutely great day. Thank you for being with us. Talk Money is dedicated to assist you in this confusing financial world where you are exposed to more information than ever. I mean, it just hits us backwards, forwards, either way we're looking at it. And it's just the media. and That's what it is. The next hour, what we're going to do is going to train and coach you and assist you in developing your financial roadmap in order to achieve what you say is your financial dreams and your desires. Talk Money is all about helping you make those financial decisions about health care, stocks, bonds, retirement, estate planning, insurance. You know, Talk Money is everything financial. Don't forget that. That's what we focus on. Remember, planning is not about the plan. It is about the results. Here's some information that I think you might find to be interesting. We are continuing to focus on politics. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, I need to remind everybody, economic growth, corporate earnings, inflation are much more important than politics. Politics do not seem to be affecting our, uh, as far as affecting the factors that actually drive the financial markets today, but we seem to focus on it. Federal Reserve did raise interest rates this week. Most everyone's expected to raise, and the market really did not react to that. Here's some thoughts for you. Economic conditions and earnings matter more than politics. Don't forget that. I mean, I know that's hard because if you're tuned in to the media all the time, all you're hearing about is political things, this and that. And uh, in fact, the Comey Sessions testimonies, they didn't deliver anything major, but they were obviously very much into the uh, medium. And uh, you're going to find that probably this will weaken President Trump's credibility and it will continue to cast some doubt about whether or not his administration can actually deliver on his agenda. And of course, that means if we have anything comes out about what's going to happen with tax cuts, that could be positive for the market. Now, let me tell you about today's program on Talk Money. As you might know, June is World Elder Abuse Awareness Month. Now, you might not have known that, but according to the Department of Justice, it is an estimated one in nine Americans over 60 are victims of elder abuse every year. It ranges from financial exploitation to physical abuse and here's what the experts say. All too often, older people are, are afraid to report the abuse because those committing the crimes are either caregivers or relatives. Elder abuse, exploitation, that's the first half of the program. In the second half, we're going to find out if you've got something like where you've got assets and you might want to protect them, do you need a trust to protect those financial assets? If you do, what are some things to consider when you go to select a trustee? Should it be a personal friend or 
relative or should you look at a corporate trustee? All that's going to be a part of the program today on Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. My guest, Scott Jordan, Mac Bailey of the Bailey Law Firm. You don't want to miss this program. We got more jammed into an hour of just fun and education, entertaining, and I think some intellectual discussion. We got some smart people today. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs, it's what we do. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Advantage Capital Management and Securing Financial Services Incorporated are affiliates. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. When the weather's fine, you got women, you got women on your mind. And welcome back. Talk Money brought to you in part uh, this portion by the Bailey Law Firm Estate Planning, Elder Law, and Probate Planning for All Generations. You know, I mentioned earlier that we were going to talk about elder abuse. And uh, let me make sure we know what it is. Elder abuse refers to intentional or neglected acts by a caregiver or trusted individual that lead to or may lead to harm that is vulnerable for that vulnerable elder that we're talking about. It is awareness. June is Elder Abuse Awareness Month. My guest, Mac Bailey, Scott Jordan. Mac Bailey of the Bailey Law Firm, a frequent guest of ours. Scott Jordan of Shoemaker Financial, also a frequent guest. And guys, welcome to the program. Wonderful to be here, Jim. You know, I, I, we are talking about something that is... Um, I mean, it's critical because when I, I told you earlier, according to the Department of Justice, a minimum of one in nine or 11 percent of Americans over age 60 have experienced some kind or some form of elder abuse. And the problem it is, it's either it's neglect, exploitation, and it's usually that person that's not reported. One in five. Or just go unreported, uh, or excuse me, five, over five, five or go unreported, five of the nine. It's because they don't want anybody to know that it's going on. Uh, I'm I'm concerned. Let's talk about this, and, and let me start with you, Mac. Elder abuse, give me some kinds of elder abuse when we talk about that. I think the two primary types of elder abuse is financial and physical. And, of course, the financial elder abuse has to do with someone taking advantage of an older adult financially. And physical abuse has to do with someone basically harming someone physically or even mental abuse 
um, in order to get what they want from that particular individual. You know, and what I read about this and and thinking about this, it says that almost 90 percent of the elder abuse and neglect incidents with a known perpetrator, perpetrator, perpetrator. That's a tough one. I'll get that tongue. Perpetrator. uh, The whole idea is this is a family member. Sixty uh, percent is someone of a children, or sixty percent is a children or a spouse. That's a is that is that intentional abuse or is it just neglect? Do you see that? I think it's a combination of the two, and of course, the fact that the perpetrator or bad guy is um, a family member. Is I got to remember re- the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little easier for me to say as well. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why it's not reported. I mean, people don't report abuse because it's a close family member that they don't want to go to jail or they have, have fear that if they do report the abuse, that person will quit taking care of them. Or it's a basic pride issue where they're just too prideful to admit that they've been taken advantage of. So you talked about physical abuse and financial abuse. Now, financial abuse, uh, it's common. Uh, it's regarded in as two as a third most commonly sub- substantiated type of elder abuse, according to some statistics I've been reading. And that, and it's literally here's a number for you. It's estimated again. Uh, this is by the. Uh, National Association, let me just make sure I get it right, the National Council of Aged is telling us this, $2.6 billion in 2015. That's an enormous amount of money that that literally people are losing. And I'm going to read you actually a case here in a few minutes. I know in your case, Mac, where you're working with people, what are some of the signs that you see when you're working with someone that you're looking at it and I know you have to be pay attention. I know Scott and I in our practice have to pay attention to see if maybe something's going on. I think things that uh, your listeners can look for is one change in spending habits. So if mom has always been frugal and now all of a sudden she's taking trips or she's buying new cars, change in spending habits can be uh, an indicator of financial abuse because someone is enjoying those things that she's spending the money on. Hmm. You also look at isolationism. So is now mom doesn't answer her telephone, or does someone always answer the phone for her now and say, no, she's busy right now. I'll have her call you back. Because the first thing that the perpetrator or bad guy wants to do is to isolate the senior individual away from their family members, away from their peer groups, away from their support groups, so they can take advantage of them. You know, one of the things, and uh, Scott, we've had this in the case recently where uh, a person, one of our uh, you know, older individuals got caught up into a scam. And in that scam, uh, you know, it was obvious a scam to us. I mean, there was no question. And I think anybody in this room right now could have turned that scam off in a second. This person was 80 years old, and it was not easy. In fact, they caught themselves. Well, when the children found out about it, we really began to try to squeeze this. And But this person has been a victim and now has become almost a participant in this scam. And we see that we see it a lot. It's very concerning. I think Mac hit on a point. You know, one. You know, we. I know you and I take that very seriously. We're there to safeguard our clients' money, right? So we're always looking for situations where people are asking us for money where where it's a little more than they normally ask for. And that that was kind of a situation there where where we were seeing patterns of of additional yeah, money absolutely and so coming we, out. We had to get everybody around the table to make sure we understood what was going on, and it was it was a foreign. 
you know, phone call and uh, but you don't do this, we're going to do this and you've got to do this because we got this kind of money. You've, we found some money for you. And, and it was a scam. I mean, it was obviously a scam. But the problem was this person, 80 years old, didn't see it that way, got caught up in it and got emotional with it. Yeah, got emotionally involved. And that's yeah. what happens. And that's the problem. So I, I want to make sure we make sure everybody is understanding. We're talking, Mac Bailey, Scott Jordan, about Elder abuse and exploitation. Physical abuse, we see that, we understand that. But what we're going to focus on is that financial abuse, that exploitation where someone is really changing spending habits, as Scott says, to the point where you just see somebody's you know answering the phone now. Somebody's doing something. Maybe they're going to the bank. All of a sudden, it's not the elder person at the bank anymore. It's somebody they've designated. And they may have even given them the power of attorney. Uh, powers of attorney are probably the um, uh, the preferred tool of the bad guy because it's an easy thing to get someone to sign and an easy thing to take to the bank and use to withdraw funds and take over the financial management of a senior. Mac, let me let's talk about this. How do you how do you in your practice protect? How, what, what is what would you suggest to anybody listening? Here's some thoughts of how to protect that from happening. Uh, well, one thing about the power of attorney issue is that we never draft a power of attorney for someone that's not sitting in our office. You'll have uh, some lawyers here in town that really don't understand the consequences to where they will draft an attorney for the child and the child will take it home and get the mother to sign it. We don't do that. We interview everybody that signs any legal document that we draft. And I think that's very key. When you interview, are you looking for what are you looking for with that person? I mean, is there, I mean, let's say it's a distant family member. Would you would you be hesitant? Or would you be suspicious? Well, first of all, I meet with the individual that's signing the power of attorney alone mm-hmm. without the other family members present in the meeting. And if the family members don't like that or they're upset about that, then I usually will not proceed with the, the engagement. But I'm looking for, um, uh, you know, any type of indications that she doesn't or he doesn't know what she's doing, that she doesn't understand what's going on, um, that she's concerned about the amount of money that's being spent or that she's not looking at me, or she's looking away from me, or she looks like um, to the point to where she doesn't want to talk to me or does not want to tell me anything. That's a, I get that. So you're looking for body language. Body language is very key. That's very key, very key. Let me ask you this. What are some signs? Let's make sure that everybody listening knows what are the signs of financial abuse. I mean, we might say a new best friend might be one that didn't, you didn't have last month. Now you got this new best friend. I think that's a great indicator because most people in their 70s and 80s have had their friends now for 50 or 60 years, and now all of a sudden they have someone brand new in their life that they're excluding everyone else just to spend time with that individual. That is an indicator, absolutely. Mm. What about the, uh, you know, where you're talking with someone, and I know Scott and I are looking at this, where money or possessions are, I won't say disappeared, but we can't find them anymore. You know what I mean? The money seems to be going away. Yeah, when you have a senior that um, has the resources or has the income, but they are not maintaining their bills, they're not paying their bills on time, they're getting creditor notices, they're getting telephone calls at home, and we know that they're supposed to have sufficient resources to pay the bills, that's also a strong indicator that something is going on. It may be just early signs of dementia, all right, or it could be someone that is taking those funds away from the senior so she doesn't have it available to pay her bills. That's a great point, the the need of just... Paying attention. And I guess what we're saying is whether it's the attorney that's paying attention, the financial planner that's paying attention, the banker, the accountant, the family member, just everybody needs to be 
paying attention to what's going on in the life of this elder, this senior citizen. Yeah, this is one of those times where being nosy is actually a good thing. Mm, that's a great point. That's yeah. a gr- my mom would not have said that, but <laughs> right, she, she would have. <laughs> she would have appreciated that. Let me let me give you uh, a, a case. I want to make sure everybody gets this, and I'm going to actually read you a, an actual case from the state of Kentucky. Now, that's as far as I'm going to tell you at that point. But here's here's the case, and this just to give you an idea. Local bank alerted a county the county police of a possible exploitation of an elder client. That's we said bank CPA lawyer CF uh, financial planner. His savings account had gone from a balance of ninety six thousand dollars to zero in six months. There's the alert. You see that yep. everybody gets that. The elderly man insisted to police that he had willingly given the money to a young man who lived with him. You hear that? I mean, is everybody paying attention? He denied that the young man had committed any wrongdoing and refused to press charges. I mean, that's a case. I mean, we could have picked that out on the streets of Memphis easy. Further investigation by police. You ready for this, guys? This is key. The young man had gone, had forged checks for $24,000. Police asked to assess the elder man's physical and mental estate, ask an outside third party. They they did. The social worker did. The client was found to be mentally alert, fully oriented, and free of acute mental or physical distress. This guy was fully engaged, 100% doing great. Then he was more worried about keeping the alleged perpetrator, see, I can't say that word, out <laughs> of jail than about losing his money. Now, guys, that's the that's the problem. This is He had befriended this kid, this young man. And this young man took advantage, and he was more concerned about the young man than he was. By the way, the guy ends up totally bankrupt, living only on his Social Security, and yet he would not press charges. Now, eventually, the police department filed and, and did put him in jail because he had written some, forged some checks, which uh, they could do that. Uh, but this, uh, the individual did not. And for, you know, it, it, that's the bottom line is he didn't want to report his friend who was taking care of him. I read several cases in preparation for today's program. And guys, this financial exploitation is serious. Very disturbing. And very disturbing of how easy it is to happen. All right. Now, we're listening. We're talking. You're listening to, of course, uh, Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. I've got Scott Jordan, and I've got Mac Bailey. We're talking about elder abuse. We're talking about a subject that I think people talk about, but we seldom do anything. So let's kind of help me with this. What do we do? Well, there's a a number of series of steps that you can take if you uh, expect it. First, you can confront the senior and ask them. Maybe the senior will admit, yes, I'm being taken advantage of. Will you please help me? I've had that happen before. Okay. So first thing is just ask the senior, do you need help? Sometimes the senior, like this gentleman that you described in this scenario, will say, no, I don't need any help. So you can call the police and ask for a wellness check, where the police department will come by the house, knock on the door of the apartment, and do a wellness check, and just see if there's anything odd going on, or see if there's anything there that could cause an issue. If that doesn't bring anything, then you can also contact Adult Protective Services in your community, and they will go out and do an investigation and a check. Yeah, let's talk about that. That's uh, and that's where you bring in the third party. They do something outside of the police, so you know it's. And let me give you that telephone number too. It's one eight eight. It's just the eight 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 number. A P S T E N N or eight 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 two seven seven 
1-800-273-8366. If you suspect elderly abuse, this would be a number that you should call. And I believe you can do it anonymously, so you do not have to give your name. You can call, you can say, I have this suspicion, and then they'll go out and do an investigation. And you also can call the domestic, you know, the domestic hotline for domestic violence hotline. That's the same. It falls into the same category. It does. And I think both, uh, you know, the domestic hotline is a little bit more physical, whereas the adult protective services can be both physical and financial. You know, I remember a particular senior citizen that uh, we were working with, and, and she came into the office and... I, she, for some reason, most of the time she wore sleeves. She was sleeveless that day. She didn't wear a sweater or anything. And I noticed bruises on her arms. Not, you know, how did I see it? I just, it just caught my attention. What I realized that if I had taken her arms and put my, you know, if I just reached to grab her by her arms and use my two hands, it was the perfect indention of where the bruises were. Now, I'd be candid with you guys. And first, I thought, well, you know, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to step into this. This is, you know, I'm not going to bother that because I'm not sure. Because I asked her, how was she doing? Great. Everything's fine. No problems. I just wasn't comfortable with that. Eventually, I decided we need to make a phone call. Found out that it was not her child, it was her next door neighbor that was supposedly helping, was taking her and, and, Forcing her to him, you know, he was he was abusing her physically, not intentionally. I really believe as they went through this whole case, and it turned out that we don't think it was an intentional thing. But he didn't realize what he was doing, and she was frustrating him. Does that make sense? Yes. yes. And bingo, he had that ability, and she was afraid of him. And that became, but he the kids thought he was doing a great job. Sure. And how easy. That can happen. So we've been talking about elder abuse. When we come back, we're going to find out specifically some things that you need to be looking for that are signs. I want to make sure you understand the signs. We want to talk about, is it weight loss? Is it fear of the abuser, as I just indicated? Well, those are things that we want to clarify and make sure you're aware of should you suspect elder abuse. You're listening to Jim Shoemaker on Talk Money And you're listening, of course, to FM 107.9 and AM 990, the voice talk radio for the Mid-South. My guest, Mac Bailey and Scott Jordan. We'll be right back after this. on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Shoemaker Financial and Securing Financial Services do not provide specific tax and or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax and or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax and or legal situation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. We're talking about elder abuse, and uh, this is Elder Abuse Awareness Month of June, and uh, we thank you for listening. It is a serious subject. It's uh, somewhat, con- you know, I think we have to identify it, but we have to understand it, and that's the hard part about the whole idea. It is on the rise. It says basically the National Council for the Aging says that elder abuse is on the rise. It's uh, We're seeing a 16% increase in the last Five years, and that's um, 
You know, that's tough. Here's a statistic, though, that is very disturbing. For those elders who have been mistreated, the risk of death is 300 times greater than those that have not been mistreated. Women or the very elderly are most at risk. Elder abuse affects seniors across all socioeconomic groups, cultures, and races, according to the National Council. But however, women and older elders are more likely to be victimized, and uh, that's a big issue. In fact, two out of every three, 65.7% elder abuse victims are women, And in 20 states, more than two in five, 42% are 80 and older. So the reality is, I mean, there's a reason for that. Women live longer uh, than men most of the time. Uh, And I I guess, guys, I I just get very, very concerned about this. Um, Scott, you've got a case where... In your past, you were you you. Can you share that case with us? And- yeah, I can share a little bit about that. Uh, you know, I was in the banking business at the time, and we had a client that uh, had given a particular individual power of attorney over her finances, which gives someone a lot of power. And this person was systematically, basically, coming in and writing checks and depositing them in their own account. Uh, we did alert the authorities, and and basically, what what the when the authorities got there, like in the case you read. She was like, no, I'm fine with all this. I gave her all this money. Well, as we dug deeper, she believed this particular individual was running a nonprofit organization about a topic that she cared deeply about. So this person had convinced her of that, did the whole isolation thing, you know, kind of disconnected with the family and and really was just taking advantage of this person. It was heartbreaking to to watch, but but she was she believed she was doing the right thing with her money, believed she was Helping this person run an organization that she cared deeply about. And we're not talking about a couple of dollars. No, this was a, a significant amount of money and yeah. a, a lot of money. A lot of money. Let's, well, I think we need to, I do want to say this was in excess of a million dollars. Now, let me let me say why, did I, why I want you to know it's in excess of a million dollars. You would think that's impossible. No way that's going to happen. No way would that happen to my mother or my grandmother or the lady that I really care about down the street. That's not going to happen. Well, it does happen. It happens in Memphis. It happens in your neck of the woods, in your neighborhood. It happens to your next-door neighbor if you're not aware of it. So, Mac, I want you to give us the signs. What are we looking for? We're all involved in that. We either have grandparents or parents or something. We want to be sensitive. Here's a, here's, he, I appreciate Scott way he said it. All of a sudden, the perpetrator literally isolates the person pulls them away, alienates them to some degree from the family member. That's what happened in this particular case that now with this group of offshore uh, bad guys, as we like to call them, uh, crooks, really, what they are, uh, and the family knows nothing. You know, they're, they're the bad people now. That's what they're telling them. So how do we look for this? What are the signs? Well, there's lots of factors. No one particular, but they sometimes can all work together. For example, one is... Maybe uh, your uh, family member now has added someone as a joint owner to their bank account that has never been involved in their life before. Uh, Maybe now your family member or friend has changed dramatically their spending habits, where in the past they were very frugal and now they're not. Maybe this particular person now, when you ask them a question, in order to answer your question or make a decision, they say, well, I have to consult with X first, or they look at X before they answer and allow the other person to answer on their behalf, which I have certainly seen in my interview process before. 
Um, maybe you'll find a major change in schedule. So your family member or friend has always been to bridge on Tuesday night, always went to church on Sunday morning, always went out to eat with the girls on Saturday night. And now all of a sudden, she's not doing any of that anymore. She has totally changed her schedule. It's not because of her health. It's just because she is now no longer interested in doing those things. Those are all good indicators of potential financial abuse. And you, this is the issues that, that everybody needs to pay attention to, whether it's, I mean, revising a person's estate plan. You know, they, they come walking into your office and want to change everything all of a sudden. I know that's something you've talked about that before. Absolutely. If I have a client that comes in or a non-client who wants to completely change their estate plan 180 degrees, then I'm going to make sure that I ask them all the pertinent questions as to why they want to change. If it's my client, I'm going to be even more interested because I'm going to know what her original intent was. But my antenna really goes up when they come from another lawyer and they don't have a good explanation as to why they're going back to the original lawyer in order to change their estate plan. I think this is important for all of us to get. Now, what we're going to talk about coming up, and we're going to just walk right into this, how do you protect this? Now, Mac has given us some signs, and Scott gave us a great example. I read an example we have to come to grips with this. It is a problem. It is an issue. We're trying to spend, well, the whole month of June is about being aware of it. Today's program is focused on let's make you aware of what is elder abuse, whether it's physical. We we definitely consider that to be extremely important, but sometimes that's a little bit easier to identify. You can kind of see that. But financial abuse can sneak up on you and you're not aware and next thing you know, it's devastating as both not only the Scott's example, but my example of the elder person, the man who just simply said, I'm not going to press charges. Well, how do you protect that? How do you make sure that that's something that cannot happen or should not happen? What should you do? Well, when we come back, these guys are going to guide us through some things of how to do it. In fact, I, I'm not going to tell you what it is. You got to stay with us to listen. And uh, but there are some there are some tools that you can use. Now let me give you this telephone number real quick. Adult Protection Services one eight 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 two seven seven eight three six six. If you want to report something that you think there may be this possibility that you're a witness of elder abuse, elder exploitation, make that phone call. We'll be back right after this. Questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. The last decade of the 19th century saw a wave of incorporations of towns within Shelby County, such as Madison Heights, Binghampton, and Idlewild. Memphis City officials saw this as a major public health issue, the horrific yellow fever epidemic in 1878 still being fresh on their minds. To prevent the recurrence of an epidemic, the city worked hard to improve garbage collection, install modern restrooms, replace wood with gravel in the roadways, and most importantly, build a modern sewer system. These changes were neither fast nor cheap, and many Memphians were very anxious over the thought of smaller towns being near Memphis that could not afford a proper level of sanitation control. 
After much political wrangling between the city and state legislature, an annexation measure was passed, making these communities part of the city of Memphis. The annexation put to rest the concerns over public health felt by those who had gone through the horror of the yellow fever epidemic 10 years earlier and doubled the size of the city. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time. It is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular. Nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. We're talking about elder abuse this month. June is Awareness Month, Awareness for Elder Abuse. And uh, we've been trying to bring you a program that I hope gives you some insight in what to look for. But then we need to also talk about how to protect. How, what should we be doing? We talk about estate planning, and that's critical. My guest, Mac Bailey of the Bailey Law Firm and Scott Jordan of Shoemaker Financial, and they are our experts for today. We're going to talk about a trust, guys. Um, uh, I kind of wanted everybody to kind of pay attention because I'm going to make sure that we discuss this in a way that this is a solution if you see the potential of a problem. Now, I need to make sure that I'm talking to the men that listen to this program. If you are married and you're going to leave your spouse with a substantial amount of wealth and you're not taking care of her, I gave you a statistic a while ago that said most women, the women are the ones that are the victims of what happens with this whole idea of financial exploitation. So I need you to pay attention. I need you to find out what you do to protect your loved ones. We're talking about a trust. It's a legal arrangement in which a person's property or your funds or your assets are entrusted to a third party, a trustee, to handle that property or funds on behalf of your beneficiary. Now, I can't put it any plainer. That's as simple. It's easy to understand. So, Mac. We have two types of trust, a living trust and a testamentary trust. It's a topic a lot of people get confused about. Explain it to us. Well, a living or inter vivos trust is something you create while you're alive. So the trust is created during the lifetime of the person funding the trust. A testamentary trust is created at death, upon the death of the person, and then upon their death, their will would create the trust. Why do people struggle with developing and putting a trust in there? I've actually had someone say, oh, oh, I don't want to trust in my will. Because they've heard a lot of trust war stories. So everybody uh, and their brother has a story about some trust that went awry, or they don't understand the actual effect of the trust, or they feel like that it will bind or, or not allow them to have complete access to their assets. All right. right, let's. I, I know we could get into the weeds real quick. We could talk about a revocable trust and irrevocable trust, and we'll do that at another time. I think it's important. But, but I want to say, Scott, help me with this. Trust... When we talk about a trustee, help me understand why a trustee is so important. Well, the trustee, you know, I always say a trust really can only be as successful as the trustee you have managing it, right? That's the third party that is supposed to make sure that what you want to happen to your property or how you want that handled 
is followed to the T, so it's it's important to pick the right person. And that's that. one of the most important decisions that you're making Absolutely. in this process. So, Absolutely. Mac, how do you help the person walk through that? Well, first we give them the options so that they can decide what is best for them, and then we give the pros and cons of each option. Uh, for example, the options would be a family member, a friend, a professional like a lawyer or CPA, or a corporate trustee like a bank or financial institution. So if you're going to pick, now I'm thinking of a lot of people, I'm going to pick a family member. What are some things you need to consider about this family member? Well, you know, you want to know, does the family member really understand your family? Does the family member have a relationship with the potential beneficiary? Is the family member share, does the family member share your values that you want uh, to be applied when the money is distributed out of the trust? Um, and then also, what's the competency level of a family member? Just because I love this person and I trust this person, but if they are not very good financially or really not good decision makers, maybe that's not the best person to be the trustee. I know sometimes you can get in where there's a conflict, Scott, where, yep. you, you know, you look at the other, you know, this, you, you know that this, this is going to be a conflict between the beneficiary and the trustee. That's an issue. Right. You have a family member that's easily persuaded by other family members or... Or maybe they just don't understand the family, the family situation well and may give in to that, some of the that wishes. That can get to be a problem. We've actually and, talked about that recently. What are some of the benefits, Scott, of, a, of having a family member? Well, I think first and foremost is, is cost. You know, oftentimes family members, there's not a, not a fee involved. Some people do pay family members to be the trustee, but a lot of times it's cost. Um, they, they may have a, a personal interest in the success of the trust. Uh, they may understand and know the family better, like we mentioned. And, you know, that may be a good option, especially for small trust, uh, trusts that aren't too complex. A lot of time, picking a family member is a good option. It's a good option. Now, if you pick a family member, you talked about making sure the family member has no conflicts. Uh, that I can see that all the time, especially if you pick one daughter or one son and you got three out here and they didn't get along when they were little <laughs> right. and they're not getting along now. So there's a issue. But if you're going to do that, give me some of the downsides of picking a family member. I just named one, but that's a critical. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, potential lack of professionalism where they haven't done this before and now they're being thrust into a situation that they have no experience in. I think that's a major downside. I think the whole friction and conflict between, you know, brother and sister is a huge issue. I see clients all the time. They'll say, well, I just want to pick the his brother and, you know, his brother will handle it. And, you know, sure, they didn't get along when they were young, like you said, but now let's add in a couple million dollars. <laughs> That's not going to make it easier. <laughs> <laughs> that does stick a little bit tougher. But you also have in-laws. Uh, mm-hmm. We talk about that a lot. And, you know, uh, the, the, the son, you know, may be great. But this spouse is, uh, you know, she's the one that really is wearing it out, and that creates conf- conflict. So you need to be careful in picking a family member, but there are some upside. You have that person who identifies with the family, really can is genuinely concerned about the family. So let's talk about this. What about a corporate trustee? I think corporate trustee brings that experience and professionalism to the situation. The corporate trustee also provides a continuity because, you know, people die. Most corporations don't. Certainly in the banking uh, in the world, they uh, have mergers and acquisitions, so they'll continue on. So if it was Bank X now and they merge into Bank Y, the corporate trust department's still there. So I think those are two major benefits, the professionalism and the continuity of the trustee. What about objectivity, Scott? I mean, they're supposed to be, there's a prudent man rule there. Right, right. They're, they're, they're not as easily persuaded to go against the trust as maybe a family member might be. They're, they're hired as a fiduciary 
to carry out the wishes of the grantor that created the trust. Um, I'm also thinking that most of the time, the trust company, if it is a corporate trust company, is in charge of the assets. They're managing the assets. That's key. And that takes that pressure off of the family member. Am I correct on that? Is that how you wanted me to say that? Is that true? I think that is true. And most uh, corporate trustees will make sure there's an investment policy statement for the trust. And most individual trustees wouldn't really understand how to do that. Well, when we come back, uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of the disadvantages of having that professional corporate trustee. And how do you mix it? That's kind of important. But one thought that... um, if you got harmony going with the family and then all of a sudden it falls apart, maybe the trustee that's a corporate trustee can be the referee with the family members. Stay with us. You're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening, of course, to The Voice, FM 107.9 and AM 990. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We'll be right back after this. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at the Bailey Law Firm. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs. It's what we do. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Shoemaker Financial and Securing Financial Services are not affiliated with Mac Bailey or the Bailey Law Firm. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax and or legal advice. Shoemaker Financial and Securing Financial Services do not provide tax and or legal advice. Shoemaker Financial and Securing Financial Services do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should always consult their tax and or legal professionals regarding their own specific situation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. My guest, Mac Bailey, also Scott Jordan. We're talking about, well, we started the program with Awareness Month. That's, a you know, the Elder Abuse Awareness Month. That's the first part of the program. The second part is kind of how to protect when you think of someone that's going through the process of maybe creating their estate, doing some estate planning, and you say, I'm concerned about what could happen with elder abuse, well, we've been trying to give you a possible solution. We've talked about revocable trust. we talked about living trust, testamentary trust. We understand that a trust is a legal document where a person's property are entrusted into to a third party, that's the trustee, to handle that property on behalf of of your loved ones. And that's what we're trying to get across is to make sure you understand this is a way to protect your loved ones. So we, Scott, you talked about that a trustee or trust can only be as successful as the trustee. We've talked about the individual family member, the pros and the cons. We've talked about the corporate entity being a trust pros. We said they have got the experience. They know what they're doing, but there are some cons. Mac, help me with that. I think the two primary cons is and it may or may not be constant upon the fee schedule, but one is cost. Everyone is always looking at cost, um, and that may be a big deal, may not be. 
And then the second is the fact that maybe the corporate trustee really doesn't know much about the family. They don't have the family history or understand the dynamics there. And that sometimes can make it more difficult to make decisions. Do you think that maybe a solution to that, and we've talked about this, is bringing a family member in who has no experience but brings that understanding of the family and the corporate, can, they can work together. They can be co-trustees. I think co-trustees is a good solution because it provides you know the, the best of both worlds. You've got the corporate trustee that can handle the professional side of the administration of the trust and the family member that can give them advice about the family dynamics. All right, let me ask you this. I've hired me a trustee. I got the family member and I've got the corporate trustee and I don't like either one of them. It's a revocable trust. I can change this trust. A revocable trust, you can fire the trustee at any time. All right. Tell me how to do that. Then, you know, we'll just go in and change, right? You just call the lawyer up that drafted the trust and say, I need to amend my trust. I need to change the trustee. All right. Now I am dead. It's no longer a testamentary trust. And my spouse, my loved one, wants to change one of the trustees. What does she have to do? It depends on the trust document. So in the trust, she could have the right to change it, or she may have to go to court and ask the court to change the trustee. But she can change it. If if she is given the right to do that in the document, then she could change it. Sometimes if we put that right in there, we limit who she can change it to. Give me an example. Like, for example, we wouldn't allow her to appoint her new husband as the trustee. She may have to appoint a professional CPA or lawyer or a corporate trust department if she changes the trustee. So we're still trying to protect her. Absolutely. We can't have the guy who came off the streets and decides he's the next door neighbor now, and he wants to be the trustee, and she decides to do that. You're writing a document that's going to go out 10, 15, 20, 30 years to still protect my wife, my loved one. The the point of the trust would be to provide that buffer between your loved one or family member and that bad guy, that perpetrator out there, so that there's someone in the middle that can say no. Uh, uh, Say that again, because that is the whole purpose of what we're trying to do. The trust is designed to do what again? I mean, that trust provides that buffer between your loved one and the beneficiary, someone that can be taken advantage of, and it provides that buffer between the person that will take advantage or wants to take advantage of them. So we've got someone in the middle, that third party, that disinterested, objective person to say no to the bad guy. No to the bad guy. I am taking care of mom. I'm taking care of, uh, you know, Aunt, you know, Aunt Emily or whoever the trustee is taking care of. That person is there to protect from the bad guy. And that is that is so simple. Now, let me let me deal with this, though. I happen to have two elderly people living together. They are married. They've been married 65 years. They're both in their 90s. And now in walks the guy. Is there something they could do from a trust standpoint? Well, if they have an existing trust, then that trustee would have the right to step in and try to protect those individuals. All right. Most of the time from a revocable trust, I start out as the trustee. But I could say at any time, I would like Scott to be my co-trustee. I'm not as – don't say anything about this (laughs) – I'm not as sharp as I used to be. All right? Hypothetical. Hypothetical. <laughs> Hypothetical. I'm not as sharp as I used to be. I sense that maybe I don't make decisions as well. I could name Scott as my co-trustee. You can. And then also, if you became incapacitated, Scott would step in and be the trustee. Scott, just don't get too excited about that job. <laughs> I like the sound of that. <laughs> All right. You know, I think what we're trying to say is, guys, elder abuse is real today. Financial were exploitation of someone. We talked about some statistics. We talked about cases. Mac, what would you say, if, if to the person listening right now, what would you say is final summary of this? I think to be aware 
and, and, and watch what's going on with your family members and intervene. Don't be afraid to intervene if there's something going on that you suspect is wrong. And intervention may seem to be unpopular at the time. It will definitely always be unpopular at the time. But you have to do it. You do. You have to pay attention. Scott, what's your thoughts? I'm going to have to just reiterate that because we've dealt with that. And sometimes you second guess yourself about what you're seeing and go, should I should I get involved in this? Should I not? I, I think it's better to get involved and find out what's going on and be, be sure about the situation than to just not do anything at all. According to the Department of Justice, a minimum of one in nine or 11 percent of Americans over age 60 have experienced some form of elder abuse in the last year. Guys, this is serious. You don't want to take this as something just to pass by. As Mac has said, it is literally going to be, if you're going to step in, it's not going to be popular. It's something you got to do. Guys, thank you so much for today's program. I hope we've gotten the point across. I know you have done a great job. It's a serious, serious issue, and I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Well, you've been listening to Talk Money, and I'm Jim Shoemaker. We've had a guest, Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm, Scott Jordan from Shoemaker Financial, my producer and board operator, Gil Worth, did a great job. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner, production assistant, Eleanor Moskovich. Uh, compliance officer, of course, is Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, read by Rebecca Brazier and written by Drew Johnson. You're listening to Talk Money on FM 107.9 and AM 990, The Voice. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.